This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Cool, let's just do it one more time. Why? Because we love making movies! Hello everybody, this is Aaron Gelabolo and welcome to my podcast, Because We Love Making Movies. Sometimes you see a film that rocks you. It rocks you so fucking hard that everything else you've seen before and after is measured against that film. The first time that happened to me was Reservoir Dogs. The dialogue, the music, I've always said for me it was like those stories you hear about people seeing Elvis on TV or hearing the Beatles for the first time. It blew my mind. Another time it happened was with Hereditary, a film written and directed by Ari Aster, who not unlike Quentin Tarantino, arrived fully formed as a director with a film that rocked me both as a fan and an artist. It's not just the script, which is superb, but it's also the design. The world of Hereditary is so specific to its story and every bit of it, the interiors and exteriors, the architecture and color palette, to the end of the film, which is such a vision of horror and beauty, that I had to try and speak to some of the artists who worked with Ari Aster to create the immaculate nightmare of Hereditary. I was lucky enough to speak with Grace Yoon, the production designer of Hereditary, as well as the incredible film First Reformed, and it was a joy. She's a supremely talented artist who marries a kind of pragmatism and necessity with passion and creativity. And again, I love production designers because I think they're really where the rubber meets the road in terms of taking our dreams as filmmakers and building them with nails and hammers and paints and brushes. So I hope you enjoy the talk. I had a blast. Dig it. So how are you doing? Um, I'm all, I'm all right. Just flew in from Northern California. Was oh, doing really? a movie out there. Yeah, in Humboldt, where gorgeous, gorgeous scenery. Um, but yeah, it was during like pandemic wildfires. So that's right. a interesting new experience of like how to work in production during these times. So wow. Uh, yeah, but happy to be home now. Yeah. I'm sure it's like, it's just so, I mean, even this Thanksgiving, this past Thanksgiving was so intense. Like, did you, did you spend it with family or, or who, who did you get to spend it with? No, my uh, husband came to fly out to Humboldt and we just kind of stayed and rested in that area for about a week and just drove, didn't really go out anywhere. We drove around, did Avenue of the Giants and saw some parks, but other than that, yeah. Yeah, I had the same experience. I basically spent it with my neighbors, sort of. Uh, and I'm in North Hollywood. Um, but it's just kind of, you know, it's so hard not to be with family during these yeah. these times, you know? It's like, you re- it's, and I think sometimes you're like, oh, I'll be okay. And then you get to the day and it's like, okay. <laughs> it's, you're, not, you're not quite prepared for the emotional, you know, I don't know, the hangover of it all. Like it, it just, it's so, it sort of creeps in. Yeah, it's very strange not being able to socialize with your closest nearest and dearest you know mm-hmm. it's, it's a 
weird weird way of living as a human being at the moment yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent um and i actually strangely i, I guess uh i also was emailing randomly with uh, olga mill oh i love olga yeah 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 for a completely unrelated i'm also a, a filmmaker and a writer director and so we were emailing her actually about a project um and i said i'm gonna interview grace and she was like oh that's so cool tell her i said hello <laughs> it's <laughs> Olga's totally one of my favorite people and collaborators so yeah. Um, anyway, so I, I'm. I, thank you for doing this, by the way. It's it's so nice to speak to you. I'm such a big fan of your work. Uh, and I guess I'll just start kind of very basically, you know, because um, I, I kind of have an obsession with production designers because I think it's sort of one of the great unsung roles of filmmaking, you know, particularly because it's like my favorite story to tell is that when Ronald Reagan got elected president and went to the White House, he was like, where's the war room? Because... <laughs> His, his idea of the war room was all from Ken Adam and Stanley mm. Kubrick. Yeah. And it was that burned into his brain that he's like, this is reality, you know? And, and Kurosawa liked to call it the immaculate reality. That's what, that's what you're trying to do with film. Yeah. And, and it's a hundred percent has to do with the production designer, you know, not just creatively, but also, and obviously the director, but creatively, but also financially, you know, people don't really realize how financially responsible you have to be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yes. And so I guess I'll start with, you know, what, how did you, uh, how did you become a production designer? You know, how, what, what, how, what was your path to, to sort of where you are today? Um, I went to a design school that allowed me to explore different disciplines. And I think that was really it opened my eyes to all the different types of mediums out there. And then I happened upon, I did like this little small digital audio video class. And I was like, oh, wow. Like this is a medium that can incorporate everything that I'm interested in. Um, and not even in design, like things like philosophy and storytelling and mm -hmm. psychology and um, anthropology, thing, all, all of that woven together was exciting for me and then after that I just tried to intern or be a PA and on productions and I just naturally fell into art department um, and started off and doing super low budget indie things like where you know you're doing five positions all at once and you're yeah, trying to yeah. figure out how to make a few hundred dollars work you know, yeah. and spread it, <laughs> spread out and right. not sleeping, not, you know, like being, it's like you're exercising yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally. I mean, you, I still, that still happens on every production, but like right. in the beginning, <laughs> in the beginning, you're literally carrying like an entire three sets on your back in bags and, um, right, 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 right. And, uh, yeah. And I just started to meet great people to collaborate with and um you know producers would call me up for commercial work and then you know smaller features and then I just kind of went from there and production design was something that I felt was the position that would have I don't know allow me to have space at the table and all these different types of discussions mm -hmm. and that, that was very exciting for me and uh, daunting also, um, but yeah, I just, I love the collaborative aspect of filmmaking. Absolutely. That's, that's actually like sort of the whole 
I don't know, my whole reason for doing this is because it's like, I love, you know, when you're making a movie, the, the people become your family, you know, the people you work with, yeah. not just, not just on a human level, but I mean, but also on a creative level. I mean, you really have to learn to sort of synthesize everybody's ideas, you know, from the director to the DP to, you know, carpenters to property masters. And so I guess let's just go back a little bit. Where were you born? Where did you grow up? New Jersey. Oh, really? Yeah. Bergen County, New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do your what do your folks do? Um, my mom is a traditional stay-at-home mom, wonderful at that, you know, 24-7 mm -hmm. job. Um, and my dad did a bunch of, you know, non-art related things, more like real estate and travel agency stuff. Uh mm -hmm. most of my family is in Korea, so it was in he actually set up the travel agency so we can go and visit Korea as kids. So, oh, that's fascinating. That's so cool. Yeah. And were your parents surprised when you when you wanted to go into the arts or were they were they supportive? Was that something they expected or? It's something that they expected. I think like begrudgingly expected. I think <laughs> they have stories of me like drawing, you know, all kids love to draw on the walls. And uh, I definitely did that and got reprimanded for that many times and then <laughs> my mom she now laughs because like whenever she would clean the house and move furniture i she'd see some of my drawings like in the dark corner <laughs> of like <laughs> me doing things like that secretly and i draw the, <laughs> yeah i draw the sheets and the upholstery and it was bad so and i you know my own bedroom i would move the furniture around I, yeah, I, I loved, I loved pretending new scenarios with my friends. So I would move the household furniture around all the time and steal the kitchen chairs and it would just become something else in our imagination. So. Right. You were art directing I, even as a kid. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And I don't, I didn't realize production design actually existed as a profession until much, much later on in my life. And, Mm -hmm. And then I was mm -hmm. like, oh, this is all, this is all clicking. <laughs> and what was the art school that you went to? Parsons. Or the, oh, wow. Okay, cool. So that's a pretty serious uh, art college in terms of the discipline and the rigor of it, um, I guess, technically, right? I mean, my sister actually went to art school as well. And I was always so impressed with, you know, it wasn't just you can do what you want. It was you had to learn these certain things, you yeah. know, line drawing. And, and, and tell me, talk a little bit about that experience, how you think that affects I don't know, your, how you are as a storyteller, how you work as a storyteller. Um, I, was, I was fortunate enough, the year I started, they, Parsons was starting this uh, a pilot program called Integrated Design Curriculum. And it was the dean, uh, they based it on how they saw d design industry moving forward, that it was way more collaborative, multidisciplinary. So they built a whole curriculum on that. And I was like, there's like 12 people in my class. And wow. uh, the idea was that we would have all the foundational rigor of, you know, life drawing, but also drafting and also computer graphics and typography. And it was encouraging us to um, kind of argue our way into taking classes in different departments. So like I would be talking to the communications director and being like, I want to, you know, I want to study typography, you know, kind of you had to argue why 
you were taking a place of one of their concentration students. So right, 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 right. That was part of it. And then the core curriculum was about doing projects that that um, called for um, many disciplines coming together in order for it to be completed. So I think that really uh, prepped me for a collaborative environment, and it, it on also, the managerial side, yeah. Yeah, and it also, I mean, it also, I think, I guess one of the things I always love about filmmaking is, you know, there's the idea phase and the dreaming phase, and then there's the practical phase, you know, and yeah. where, where, I mean, it's, and it's so vast, you know, the difference sometimes between how you execute that, and, and that's, that feels like you, that very much prepared you for that, uh, for the challenges of filmmaking, you know, which is like, <laughs> how do you actually get this thing on a particular budget to look a certain way or feel a certain way or, uh, and I guess I have to ask you, so I guess just to start sort of with the, with, with the film work, because it, 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 am I correct in saying that uh, uh, Dog Eat Dog is your, fr the first film you production designed? The first one was this tiny film that was a, like a rom-com in my, friend who's a designer and who was a designer at the time she her friend was directing that and she knew that I wanted to start designing for features and she's like what about Grace so it was a tiny like three-person art department wow. thing <laughs> and it was all over New York and so I just that was an uh, interesting like exercise and then Dog Eat Dog came from a uh, uh, producer, director, duo, friend of mine um, who mainly did commercial work and they introduced me to Paul. Yeah, so let's talk about yeah. that. Cause I mean, that's, in, that's, I mean, how old were you when you, when you designed that movie? Just like you're out. I don't, um... I guess, oh no, all that to say, I mean, I mean, it seems, yeah. it seems you were very young, like, or at least in terms of your experience and then to, to meet a guy like Paul Schrader, who is kind of a mythic figure in film. I mean, yeah. what, what was that like to? <laughs> I mean, you know, I was talking to uh, my friend who uh, knew Paul because he started off as an assistant for Paul and had known Paul for like eight years at that oh, point. Cool, and cool. he recommended me to Paul because for Doggy Dog, Paul was looking for a creative team that was, I guess, newer in the industry, not not as seasoned. Um, so it was like his strategic move to <laughs> find got people got it, got that it, got way. It. Um, but yeah, I was just like, I don't, what am I gonna bring to this meeting? <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, like I have like small short film stuff and then like commercial design work stuff. Like, are you, I mean, is this even happening? And he, my friend was like, you know, he just, just be yourself. He needs you to be yourself. Mm. He needs you to talk in the way that you would and approach mm -hmm. the project in the way that you would as a designer. And I was like, ah, okay. And that was probably one of the best advice mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I ever received. Um, so I met Paul for like 30 minutes, 25 minutes. And wow. after that, he, you know, sent the producer an email and was like, I like Grace, let's just move <laughs> forward with this. Like, okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, I mean, I think it's also like, I feel like filmmakers, you know, at that stage in their career, they do know what they want, at least someone like him. So I feel yeah. like it's, it's yeah. about, it's about less talking, right? Or it yeah. feels, it feels like it would be and, and trying to get to that place of shorthand communication and also trust where he's trusting you to do your job, right? Uh, Cause that script is, I mean, the movie is crazy. 
I mean, it's one yes. of, <laughs> I mean, and I guess just from a, from a practical standpoint, cause I love the opening sequence in the pink house is just bananas and talk yeah. about, talk about creating that set. I mean, what, was that something that was in the script or how, how did you guys, is, is that on a stage or is that a location? It was a location. It was in the script. The script didn't indicate any of the design points of it. I think that was just something, um, the great thing about working with Paul, uh, just to back up a little yep, bit yeah, is yeah. that we would have, we just have these creative meets where talking about the dream stage, we'd go and meet at a local diner and just sit there for hours and just throw, you know, just he, he would allow for a really wide breadth of ideas. And he'd just be like, just whatever comes to you, whatever you feel, just throw it in the pot. So um, it was a wonderful start to, you know, learning how to design movies and, and, and this idea that it's, it's not restrictive in the beginning. It's, it's, it's definitely a dream state. It's definitely mm -hmm. a time where you're trying to solidify the concepts. And then what I really love about Paul is that he will give you the aesthetic framework of like what he wants for this movie, but he gives you the freedom to play around in that. So with that doggy dog in the opening sequence, he wanted to push aesthetically, make it interesting and kind of, you know, not, not naturalistic feeling, you know, mm, mm, yeah. and uh, go for more, the stylized conceptual route. So mm -hmm. all he really told me about that set was like, I want it pink. And then I want a section, I want a section where it's blue. And I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so, and um, Paul gets very specific with the camera movement. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, we would, there'd be shot listening meetings where, um, you know, we'd have a whiteboard and I'd like just, sit there and draw an outline for him and the DP and they discuss he would uh you know tell us how he'd want the camera to move so when scouting it was more about scouting the dimensions and the flow of the space more so like it's we're going to find a pink place you know right, it was already right, 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 right. known to us that like that is something that we need to transform uh we need to paint we need to so we found a, a location that was very close and then um, we built in the bathroom piece and then uh, wallpapered, carpeted, all the, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, full dress, all of that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful set. It's like, it's like psychedelic, psychotic. I mean, it's it's just like, it's, it's such a, uh, I just love that it's all in camera to a certain degree, you know, it's like, you can yeah. feel, you can feel that that is all real and it's really there and it, and it, it just adds so much to it. And, uh, uh, and so when you're working with the DP in that instance, because like you were saying, I mean, and I remember from that movie, there are very specific shot sequences that are oneers and things like that there. So how do you, I mean, how do you generally, uh, uh, I'm sure it's different every time, but how do you generally work with the DP and how do you sort of approach that collaboration? Well, um, for me, lighting is so, so important uh, because that will inform the color choices and that will inform, you know, the tone and the mood of things. Um, so, um, well, I guess from the very beginning, it's just, it's just getting on the same page of the aesthetic concept behind things. And then um, 
talking about the tone and the mood of each mm-hmm. scene or if it's a, if it's the whole movie or the whole show is going to feel a certain way and then going into the lighting and aspect ratio camera lenses camera movement all of that information is super important to me uh, mm-hmm. and you know some of that stuff doesn't come doesn't really solidify until you're much much closer to shooting but I, mm-hmm. it does help me prep for for while I'm scouting where I feel like most of the action in the scene is going to happen mm-hmm. um, how big a space needs to be for the type of camera they're using the type of lighting setup they're using mm-hmm. um, so those are all the considerations that I talk about with the DP and then like all the fun conceptual things of what we want to bring and and if it's if it is a budget issue it's kind of like I I feel like the DP costume designer and I it's like we if I can't bring anything to the space then it's the DP bringing a lighting scheme to the space or the costumes are carrying through the concept or the color palette or you know yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I think being on the same page with all of that mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. what we're trying to achieve stylistically is very, very important to me. That's awesome. And uh, uh, I guess so, talking a little bit about scouting, because obviously, and it seems like a lot of, and you've definitely, it seems like you've, you've worked on a lot of films that, that have used like beach rats or, or I would as to a certain degree first reformed or um, maybe not so much hereditary, but where you're having to really scout and find real locations and, you know, correct me if, I, if I'm wrong. I, and how do you approach scouting? I mean, is it something that you, you do on your own at first or do you generally like to do it with, with the team in advance or how do you generally like to approach scouting and finding locations? Um, it, de- it depends on each project. I think, mm-hmm. you know, it mm-hmm. depends on, it also depends on like how, the director's creative processes because mm-hmm, sometimes mm-hmm. um when you well for beach rats eliza and i went scouting together you know um and i thought that was a great informative process because she really wanted things to be grounded in authenticity so mm-hmm. the color palette the mood the feel i you know was taking photos and drawing it from places that we've seen yeah. um and i think it depends you know in some directors are fine with me going ahead, finding places and then and then presenting them. Um, mm-hmm. But I think scouting is an interesting way to start creative conversations as well. Like mm-hmm. you walk mm-hmm. into a space, you're like, oh, this this house is so weird or this house right, is right. unusual. And then it can generate ideas and be like, oh, that that section over there is perfect for this type of setup for this character and you know things like that. Um, I think it really, yeah, it, I think I like, generally I like to go ahead, but I also like having the opportunity for a director to be with me so I can have that kind of conversation yeah, with them. Totally. Because, yeah, because, you know, seeing things from photos and actually being inside a space is so like night and day different, especially for directors and just gleaning just a bit of insight of like how they react to a space, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. the mood and the feeling of a space, even if we don't even use it, um, is very, it's super important. 
Yeah, and I think I think it's also even I know you know locations inform like script changes sometimes or you know you'll you'll rewrite things for a location which is so cool. It's like that you get inspiration from the real place. You know, it's like mm -hmm. everybody loves to talk about models or storyboards or this and that, and it's like, well, that's cool, it, but it's not it's not really you're not there. You know, I feel like like you said, it is a feeling. It is such an instinctual thing sometimes when you get to the practical stage of actually making something. I would love to talk about Hereditary because it's like, I mean, it, it really is sort of like a, an amazing, I, as a filmmaker, it was one of the most inspiring, I love horror movies. I mean, I love all those movies like Rosemary's Baby and Don't Look Now and the really, The Exorcist, which I consider sort of like some of the great, not just horror movies, but movies. And I think Hereditary yeah. is definitely one of those, one of those films. Uh, and I remember seeing it with my my writing and directing partner at 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning, you know, and the head came off and it was like, what? <laughs> what is yeah. going on? This is so amazing. So how, how did that project, how did you meet Ari and how did that project come about? I mean, I got the script from my agent at the time and uh, I remember reading it and I remember reading that part, that specific scene that you just uh, talked about and I was like whoa and I li I literally put the the script down and had to take the walk and in, in, in my apartment and I read it late at night wow with most of the lights off and so I was like wow uh, and and the reaction of how Peter's character oh god continued on to the scene I thought that was so I was like this mm. is so good mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and you know I from that point, I was like, I definitely want to meet Ari. I do think the script is very ambitious, and mm -hmm. but also sounds like a lot of fun, uh, design-wise. And so, yeah, and I met him at a cafe, and uh, I think and we met for a few hours. I think we shut the place down. I think it was just like such a fun, and he's such a lovely person. Um, to talk to you and so interesting and I feel like we yeah we we I mean we talked about the ending scene uh mm -hmm. there and oh my God, uh, yeah. about the house itself whether it should be a build we both thought it should be a build mm -hmm, um mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um yeah it was a great meeting and, and it felt it felt like we were already on the same page and it felt like there was some sort of synergy there that um that made me very excited so um Yes, I was very pleased where I was like, okay, he's like, let's do this. And I'm like, yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> there's a part of me that was like, I don't know how we're going to accomplish all these things, but I, right. I definitely want to try. Yeah. And, what, and I guess also it's like, I love, I also love that film from just a pure filmmaking standpoint, because it's a film that at, on its face, the average person would say, well, what's the design, you know, what's the design aspect of, of, you know, that kind of a film, because it, it, it's sort of giving you this heightened version of everyday life and, and of humanity and, and the, you know, the, the simplicity of that house and how perfect it is and all those details within the house and the, you know, it, it's not something that, you know, initially you think of, oh, this is such a beautifully designed movie, but it is. I mean, it really, really is, particularly that house and the stained glass windows and the, you know, the models and even like the trees and the tree house outside the house. Because I rewatched it again and those white trees, you know, to sort of to the left of the house with the tree house. And it's all got such a really beautiful, you know, weight and substance to it. Uh, what were sort of the, so I guess and just a, in a general question that applies to that movie, when you read a script like that, do you come at it, do you, do you sort of do a, do you pr try to personally hook into it, you know, when you, when you kind of 
are starting to come up with ideas or how do you, how does a script like that hit you and, and how do you sort of start designing? I first read a script just for, I guess the pleasure of just, mm -hmm. you know, being of the experience of it. And um, I, you know, I can't help but start visualizing what it might feel like or look like. Mm -hmm. um, and then upon like the second and third read, I start making all these notes, you know, of uh, breaking it down pretty much in, in my initial way of doing that. And then, uh, and then just, I do a big image grab. I do, and kind of in a way that is, it's a directed image grab, but it's not, um, it's not super specific. I, I will grab an image just because it, it feels right, you know, not mm -hmm, necessarily mm -hmm. because it's like the exact thing that I'm looking for, because mm -hmm. I don't quite know yet. I'm just throwing things into a big bag. Yeah, and yeah. then, and then after that, you know, I start piecing things together being like, okay, this makes sense for this. And this makes sense. For this. Yeah, <laughs> and I, yeah, I don't yeah. really, I don't, I guess I don't really, I can't really articulate it in words. No, no, but, you are, you are. It feels, yeah. it feels like it's all based on a feeling, you know, and you're just sort of, you're, yeah. resp you're responding to, to the images as they make you feel a certain way. And then, and then ordering them, I get, you know, as <laughs> it, it makes perfect sense, at least the way you're explaining it. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It, I guess in that way, it is a personal rendering of like how I felt as I was reading it, mm -hmm. because when I do my image grab, I'm, I, it is more of a gut feeling of like, okay, this, this belongs here somehow, mm -hmm. and this feels right somehow. Um, and then, you know, I present that to the director and have conversations with them. And, you know, like they may want to, they can steer me left or right or forward. And, um, and that's kind of how I start discussions. Mm -hmm. Um, not every time. I think with Paul was first reformed, he already had an aesthetic uh, style in mind. Um, and he gave he gave us the framework first and then we read it and then things start. Then I started to gather with all, all of that in mind. Um, did he before wait, uh, uh, did he uh, uh, well, We'll get to that, but because I, 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 I no, but the sure. on, on, no, 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 because I, I, I first reforms a whole nother thing because that movie I find to be just absolutely beautiful, like as in terms of a spiritual document of cinema. It's, it's, I think it's right up there with you know what is it, the Country Priest, you know the Brisson movie, which I'm sure yeah. he talks about. Uh, uh, yeah. But on Hereditary, what was what what was for you the sort of the challenge that you didn't see coming? Like, what, what do you think was the hardest thing about that movie, design wise, for, or from your? I think that you know the sheer scale was over what you know going into it. I think we all had a sense of like um, the we had limitations in budget. You know, obviously every show does, um, and I think Ari's such a big dreamer and he's so invested in the the world of everything. And um, I had a lot of discussions with the producer, being like well, you know, this is what he wants and this is what we're going to try to do and this is what we can actually do. And we can try to do it in this three, these different ways. Um, so I think it was that like push and pull process that was mm -hmm. challenging of like trying to make sure that we can deliver what's there for Ari to tell the story that he actually wanted to tell. And mm -hmm. I mean, he, of 
of the directors I worked with, his his storytelling, his like shot listing process was just so prepared, so meticulous. Mm -hmm. And it was, it really did help inform like how I approached the design um, mm -hmm. and the build and just the way the, the build laid out so the camera can move in, a, in the way that he wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, so that and also the miniaturist, um, super, super talented, but his studio was in Canada. So oh, we were oh. in Utah. So it wasn't a situation where I would typically prefer to be able to have a fabrication shop where I can go and physically visit. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just like the that process of sending digital information and photos and having conversations kind of like this via mm -hmm. Zoom, Skype. Yeah. yeah. Um, and having that turn out the right way. And also we made the decision, well, the decision was made to build a house rather late in uh, prep. So, yeah. how, and late? How, how late, how late, like how, what was the? Um, I think that process started probably two weeks before shooting. And then, <laughs> I mean, you know, the AD was trying to manage everything where we could have the most time uh, oh. so like we we started shooting more of the exteriors and locations and then like left mm -hmm. the house to, for the last thing because we needed the most time also wow. the miniaturist also needed the time to make a miniature version of the house and wow. um with the way that was scripted in terms of the shots of how Ari wanted to get specific shops shots in the miniature house mm -hmm. it was stacked it was kind of like a, a puzzle of getting the exterior house location to work with the build interior, first floor, second floor, and then stack it in a way that felt believable for the miniature house. Because in reality, if you look very closely, it's just like that stairwell should not be here. <laughs> that, that doesn't make sense that the window is over here, but wow. hopefully with movie magic, it, it didn't uh no al it, alarm people so <laughs> no not not at all not at all because it because again i mean the emotion of that movie is so strong i don't think anyone is looking at the stairwell like it's the <laughs> you know that movie just carries you away in a way i think that is it's just really powerful i mean not because of the horror actually i mean because of the the drama of the family yeah you know um uh you know and the and and obviously you know tone, and i also love that every actor in that film is so perfect you know it's like there there's there's definitely not a weak link at all you know it, it was amazing it was amazing to be on set sometimes i'm just like wow <laughs> you know and for to just watch them carry that kind of intensity mm -hmm. that that whole time of i was very impressed and and you know i early on like having conversations with Ari about like I'm like this is like a Greek tragedy it's just an amazing yeah it's an yeah. amazingly like you you're taken for a ride and there's like this moment of catharsis but not really and I mean he's he's such a he's a he's brilliantly talented at doing that kind of thing so yeah he's he's, yeah. he's something else for sure I mean I and I I mean uh 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 and so then 
And what I think is really interesting too, just kind of a segue to a little bit to First Reformed is that it does seem like you have been, you know, fortunate enough to work with directors who do have a very personal vision and, and, you know, the, the films seem to be, you know, kind of about something, uh, you know, uh, that that's a little bit more than, you know, your typical genre piece or, or drama, which I, I always talk to people about, you know, I interviewed uh, the producer of Nomad Land, a really cool girl named Molly Ashley. And, you know, she works with Chloe Shaw. And I was like, you know, you guys make movies about people. They're the movies that nobody says you can get made. And I do think to mm -hmm. a certain degree, some of the films that you've gotten to work on are, kind of fall into that realm of, for me, pure cinema, because they're, they're about people and the big questions, you know, why are we here? What, you know, all, all the, you know, how do we exist? And First Reform was one of those films that I, I just had no, I wasn't ready for it. I didn't really, it sort of, it came out and I'm like, oh, and, and especially after he'd made films like Doggy Dog and some of the, and then, and that movie was just, it's just was so amazing. Uh, did you, uh, and I also love that he, I've heard him talk about referencing Ozu you know, in yeah. the, and the frame of Ozu and, and the movie. Uh, anyway, I, I guess just talk about that project in terms of how that, you know, came about and, and sort of, you know, when you read that script, what that was like. When Paul sent me that script, I was, I was, I felt like, ah, oh, this is something that I really want to watch right now. I think you know, at that point, I mean, it, as it is now, I think like we were oversaturated with media. It's like shouting mm -hmm. at us. It's like as an audience, we were more there for the ride than than mm -hmm. being pulled into it. So like we, in some ways, entertainment, um, and, and but in like good ways too, because our world is so complicated now that it's like entertainment doesn't really ask the audience to put in the work to understand it mm -hmm, or like mm -hmm. um, get emotionally hooked into it so when i read that script i felt like oh, i love i love how quiet it is yet the intensity is still persistent it's still there it's like a low growling in some ways with with taller's psychology and I mean, the, one of the first things Paul and I talked about, like he told us about, you know, the references Ozu and Brisson and like, those are the types of films that he was, Paul, by the way, like <laughs> even on Doggy Dog, like he gave me like 60 films. And <laughs> like he's a true cinephile and he, there's no film that I don't think he doesn't know, but anyway. Um, which He's is a master a for sure. That, yes, yeah. it's yes, so much yes. fun. I learned so much from him. Um, I'm very grateful for that, uh, all the experiences. Um, but um, for First Reform, yeah, I we talked about the psychology of Taller and, and how this film was really about following his perspective because he's mm. in pretty much every scene and mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. his narrative. So it's his view on the world. So, you know, we talked about how all the spaces, all the field, the, the design is should be minimal and spare, but like, you know, I wanted to bring a certain color palette to it that, you know, felt either cooler or warm or, but, but, you know, try to be conservative on the dressing and the details of stuff. And I think the details and what fills the space is his taller's voice and mm -hmm. what he's thinking, how he's 
thinking about mm -hmm. his philosophy on life. So right, at right, the moment, right. yeah. Right. But I think I don't I don't know. I think it that's what that script does beautifully is that it just he's coming from a place of grief and he doesn't hasn't reconciled that yet. Mm -hmm. And that grief has made him lose or question his faith in a lot of ways. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and that's so interesting. You say that about the sort of like his, his perspective and his feelings sort of filling up the frame, you know, it's like, which is his voiceover, you know, it's like a lot of mm -hmm. times, I mean, Schrader is obviously one of the masters of voiceover. I mean, Taxi Driver, it's like, you know, which you can draw a line from that movie to that, you know, all those movies, which he's talked about, but the the like you said the it's like the emptiness of that house but he fills it with his emotion and and uh and also i mean first of all so what was it like working i get like you were saying with ethan hawk because he is i mean he's carrying that film and, and it, it's he's literally inhabiting every one of those frames and, and what was that like because he gives probably one of the best performances of his career i think in that movie i mean it's so beautiful yeah he's a true professional and an artist he'd show up ready prepared like have a few discussions with paul but he was so focused every time so um it was impressive in that way and and uh i was happy that he liked his the his character's bedroom because it was spare and he felt like everything was in its right place and right. um paul was definitely uh, more involved in terms of making sure in each shot shot the composition worked um in the way he wanted it to so you know he he would be moving things himself um oh. like on the desk and like little tweaks here and there and he was very specific with the framing um and ethan was a big part of it like he would tell ethan you know where the, where the blocking and they'd have lots of discussions on that but for the most part like he'd just show up prepared and professional right. and you know and focused so and and it's also like I love I love the ending of that movie because you don't really know you know it's got mystery it doesn't give you an answer you don't really know how that movie ends I mean it might be it might be in his mind or it might not be or you know which I think is so like pulling that off in a film nowadays with ambiguities is, is <clears throat> it's very difficult you know uh, so I, it's just a it's a really really beautiful film uh, and some of the locations in that movie by the way are so particularly that one of like the it's like a, a tanker in the ocean where he sort of goes in morning time. It's like, yeah. where did you find that? It's, it's, it's fantastic. Um, that was, that's in New York. It's just an actual kind of graveyard. It's a junkyard for ships. And it was, it, it was amazing. And it was actually something that Paul had known about. Oh. And we thought the juxtaposition of the fact that Michael, this environmentalist that, you know, tragically went, uh, uh, that it was a good backdrop for him, his yeah, funeral, yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. yeah, and I just loved the rustedness of the color palette and how desolate it felt and how how overbearing in a way it felt in terms of the excess and the waste that humans produce. So mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. climate change is. A, theme sure. of that movie um sure, sure 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 research of that was just very <laughs> depressing i'm sure yeah um, that must have been really yeah. hard where you're like oh god i can't look at any more of this <laughs> there there was a lot of that there was a lot of that but um talking with olga mill the costume designer who i think i love working with her we we drew the color palette from like winterscapes and 
rust and dried blood and you know things <laughs> wow thing yeah things that felt were dying or has been dead for a while um and waste things like that um so that's really that was an that was a fun palette and concept to explore um also using that aspect ratio was super helpful for locations because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um a lot of times we would find a great building and like the main Toller's church you know was on on a hillside but surrounded by suburban houses and the dp wow. and i yeah and the dp and i were like well we could just frame it out right paul right. wants it centered we don't need to see all of all of the suburbia that's around it wow so it, it it helped isolate it helped isolate the things that we wanted to isolate right and it's so interesting too because that isolation you get this sense of reality but but also of unreality you know it's like it, it really focuses you in and that church is so perfect because it feels so real i mean it, it obviously it is it just it just gives you the you automatically know what world you're in you know when you see that mm. church to a certain degree i don't know it, it sort of transported me right into that world <clears throat> um yeah that was a great find it was a great find we, and the symmetry of that was also wonderful and the age and, as well so um yeah i think that movie was i think it was a special experience i think because you don't i yeah. i love working with paul because you don't really get to explore things in a stylistic way all the time so mm -hmm. having that opportunity was I'm, I'm, I feel very grateful for that. Now, it's a really beautiful film and your work in that film is amazing. Uh, and to go, just to go back just a second to Hereditary, because I think probably one of my very favorite sets is sort of the final uh, image, you know, of sort of the treehouse, but as like Night of the Hunter, you know, where it's, <laughs> it's like the steeple with the darkness and I'm, and, 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 uh, uh, how how did you how did you I mean is that is that on a stage I mean was that in the script or is that something that you how did you design that that was on a stage um, and that was um, at some point during our discussions Ari and I were saying like oh we need two versions of this treehouse so the first one where Charlie's hanging out her like special sacred space mm -hmm. is is much smaller um, and the one towards the end it's an expansion of that space and um we did want to play with a-frames and triangularity mm -hmm. um the characters of the grandmother the mother the daughter is all put you know that that was part of the theme too um mm -hmm. but yeah that was built on a stage and um that was yeah that was actually one of the first things Ari and I talked about in our initial meeting of like that ending shot of what mm -hmm. that could be. Um, it wasn't in the script at that point. Uh, oh, wow. ended that way. Yeah. So it was something which is part of, you know, some of those like magical things that happen when you start mm -hmm. discussing about yeah. the reality of like what visualizing what you're going to leave an audience with. And, and mm -hmm. uh, so I, it's, part of the magic that I love talking with directors because then you get to flush out like oh okay 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 so you want this feeling and you you want this type of severity and graphic image and yeah so why not why don't we try it like this and yeah 
So it's <laughs> the, the fun part of that. And then actually happens and it makes it in the movie. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so cool. I love that's one of my very favorite shots. I mean, it just it's evokes so much of that kind of, you know, emotion, but yet the artifice, the artifice of it is is almost more powerful than if it were real, you know. <clears throat> um, and I also love how you guys use all the space heaters and you know in that movie because they it's such a subtle thing, but yet it feels so ominous. It's like I was rewatching <laughs> I was rewatching the Elephant Man recently, and Lynch will do this thing with fire, where and it's obviously sound design, but but it it, it just hits you with like oh god that fire you know and and I felt like those space heaters in Hereditary were the same way. Those coils just felt like they were. Right. <laughs> that's I mean that's great you noticed that I think. Um, uh, one of the other discussions I had with Ari and the cost and Olga, we were talking about the color orange and how we would reserve that for all the fire imagery the, oh. and for Charlie. So that's why she was in that orange sweatshirt pretty yes. much the whole time. So just tying that back color wise, tying that yeah, back to her. Yeah. Um, since she kind of started, it's like the fire started. I don't know. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, 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 totally. It makes total sense. I mean, and, and it also, I guess it's like, and, and talk a little bit about like when, now when you work with, with Olga on, you know, on, on her, you know, what is, you know, does she bring you sketches? Do you, you know, how we, obviously you're talking about mood and feeling and color palette, yeah. but how do, how do you guys, cause now you've worked on, on two films together or more than two films or three, uh, three now. Oh, wow. Um, Wait, yeah. Three films. Yeah. So that's, so you, so, I mean, I so what is that process like working with a costume designer, but also with Olga, just because you guys have a shorthand, it would seem a little bit. Yeah, I think, uh, I think from the beginning, our first movie together was Dog Eat Dog and uh, it was an away job and we, you know, just decided to room together. So like all of oh, our wow. conversations, okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, we bring it at home and we'd be at the breakfast table talking about like, how do we figure out this scene and like, wow. you know, her, her and I, I love to talk about character as well because I think it's depending on the approach of the design of the movie. It's like it's are we approaching it from the character? It, you know, many ways to mm -hmm. to to approach it. Um, but you know, Olga's very um, specific and mindful of the characters. So um, I love having those types of discussions with costume designers and Olga in particular. So is so good at uh, grounding the characters in the concepts that were, aesthetic concepts that we're trying to incorporate. So yeah, I mean, I think we bring references, sketches, concepts, you know, if we have individual discussions with the director or, or uh, collaborative discussions with the director, we'll, mm -hmm. we'll talk mm -hmm. about that afterwards. And it's usually about like, we're trying to figure out the puzzle of of how to bring visual clarity to something the director is trying to find or like some mm -hmm. narrative aspect or or this the character arc um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what are they going through is there something that is going to make them appear differently in the scene because they've gone through a certain experience that causes them to change change and shift a bit and mm -hmm. do we want to visualize that in a color change or a, or a mood change and then and also like it's you know costumes is a huge part of the design it's 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 part of the a huge texture of the movie and the show so mm -hmm. I mean mm -hmm. it boiled down to basics just even 
getting the color palette to fit right. So right. do you want the character to fade into the background? Are they wearing the same color as the, the you know, the wall color? Or are, they, mm -hmm. are we trying to get them to pop? Mm -hmm. Do they belong in the space? Do they not belong in the space? So yeah. it's a lot of those fun, interesting uh, puzzles to figure out. Um, and yeah, I think when you have a great collaborator like that, it can be, you know, you feel, <laughs> you feel like it's, I don't know, I think that's the most joy I get out of filmmaking when you, when you're working on a aesthetic problem together. Um, yeah. And yeah, and then you can, it, you can execute it in some way and it, it, and there's some version of that is is on screen so <laughs> yeah yeah no it's it's you're to, you're absolutely right and and just to shift a little bit so then you worked on obviously how how uh, i got your email was from chris storer from uh, uh from and, and from rami <clears throat> yeah i mean he's he's awesome and and shout out to chris if you're listening well he will be hopefully <laughs> uh and you know and again that's a show uh, you know, that I think is so funny in your work because it, it sort of connects a little bit to First Reform because when I first watched that show, it's such a cool like spiritual sojourn of a show. You know, it's almost like a version of a serious man, you know, somebody questioning faith, uh, uh, which is just so cool. And and how did you find working in television as opposed to, you know, to working in film? What did you, did you like it, love it, or uh, talk a little bit about that? I was interested in finding project that was I don't know I sometimes when I hmm, I get into these moments where if I've concluded a project I have a hankering or an urge to do a project that is looking at some other things so at the moment I wanted uh, to find something that was dealing with spirituality specifically um, and it just happened to be a series and I thought like oh that's interesting what what can we do with a series um mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I think you can really I think you can experiment a little more you have more room to breathe and you have more room to um extend the themes um or trash the themes and create new ones um yeah. it is a shorter prep period and it's also, it may seem like there's no conclusion to something. So, cause in, mm -hmm. in a movie you can be, there's a beginning, middle and end, and mm -hmm. then you can design and think of your, think of what you're doing with, with that in mind. Like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's certain points you can hit like on the story arc. Mm -hmm. um, with a feature, it's, it's more of a, a journey that you don't know when it ends. <laughs> you just know that they, <laughs> they, you know, these characters end up walking into situations and walking into experiences and, mm -hmm. or things are happening to them. Um, so yeah, it was, an, it was, it's a, it was a different, it was a different approach and a different process because also I had no, no, you know, it was completely ignorant to um, the background that Rami was from and like what he was trying to bring into the story. And I, oh. and I connected with it on the level of 
I think it's a very important uh, type of story to expose audiences to because it's yeah. like yeah. Rami Rami there's a universality in that specific his specific um his, uh, the the specificity of that I guess his, his story his Absolutely. life mm-hmm. um so it was a lot of research it was a lot of like talking to Rami and being like so you're you know what like someone with a Palestinian background you know that bringing that culture bringing mm-hmm. the culture of of growing up in Egypt and New Jersey well I grew up in New Jersey but in a different part of New Jersey <laughs> so like bringing that of like living in New Jersey and being close to the city but like in a suburb urban environment immigrant parents first generation there were there were themes that I could relate to but then yeah. there was this whole other world of like um, Islamic study and practice that I didn't know and I you know find fascinating and 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 uh, a lot of like like really interesting and fun to to dig into um, and I think and I think on like a humanist themes like of Rami screwing up all the time of like really having good intentions but like his intentions are can be so off the mark that it becomes like tragically funny um in a a lot of ways um and awkwardly funny um yes yes in that episode princess diana that i really that i watched of yours it's like he there's some just amazing moments in that where he's just he's just wrecking like when he's talking to the woman about losing her i believe losing her husband or son or and it's just it's so painful and yet he's so <laughs> but he's so sincere you know yeah, it's like yeah and, and, and i'm I, I feel a little bit similar to what you're saying i had no idea what the show was about before i really watched it for this interview and i mean I, everyone said it was wonderful etc and then and my dad's actually uh turkish and an immigrant and and he came here when he was in his 20s and my mom is not that's why i look like this but you know, I'm, I'm much more of an Anglo. I got that from her. But that experience of, I don't know, just sort of understanding the culture you grew up in here as a kid, and then also keeping that foot in, it's not just the past, but this other culture. And how do you reconcile yeah. that authentically? You know, and 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 I just thought I thought your episode was so beautiful because it was constantly toggling between kind of this almost mythic feeling, like when he's at the rabbi's house which felt, again, like it felt like a serious man to me. And then the stuff when they're at the party with the blue tinsel was like American Hustle, you know, with like, <laughs> I thought that was such a beautiful touch, by the way, it was like the dry cleaning in American Hustle where you're like, how do you make dry cleaning cinematic? <clears throat> you did the same thing with tinsel. You know, I was yeah. like, wow, this is so incredible. It looks so, anyway, it, I just had such a visceral reaction to that show uh, uh, and your episode. I think I think you really touched upon the, the theme that I, I, love about it is of finding your identity and or having so many identities uh, prescribed to you because you when you grow up in multiple cultures and backgrounds and 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 you want to be true to your parents heritage but also you're living in this new westernized American idealism um but you're you're kind of you don't belong to both and you're failing at both so it's that and then with Rami's character it's this other added of spirituality that he feels like he's trying and failing and 
I, I, I don't know. I love the mess of that. <laughs> and yeah, I, can, yeah. I feel yeah. like we can all understand like that crazy, like not knowing where your place is and, and not really knowing who you are, but like desperately trying to figure that out. Um, yeah. yeah. And the, the, the rabbi's uh, house, the, that dichotomy of like what you're talking about of it being super serious and then being super fun I think you know right. I, that that was more of a play on the, the the two characters that inhabited that space and right right Rami first entering and also Rami's character entering with two different types of intentions and like experiences in the same space so right. we wanted to yeah. make it transformative wow. in, in the second time you saw it because if what you're talking about really is almost like the contradictions of life, right? It's like, because it's like you can literally in one moment, you know, you can be infuriated with someone and then totally in love with them. Or, or you know, you can, you can have, like you said, sort of a silly intention and then all of a sudden it shifts into something else. So it's like, even like in First Reformed, I heard, I think I heard Paul Schrader talk about, it's all about, can you hold hope and despair, you know, in mm-hmm. both hands? And I was like, oh my God, you know, <laughs> an idea like that just kind of, <laughs> you're like, what am I doing with my life? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you can I think we all do and we have yeah. to especially yeah. during these times oh my god especially now I, yeah yeah it's like most it's and I think that's that's but anyway Rami like it just like yeah that show really knocked me for a loop you know because I I think you see it for a second and you're like oh this is it's just going to be one another one of these kind of smart comedies and and it really exceeds all those expectations and defies them. Yeah, I, Rami continuously surprises me with what he writes and what he wants to do. And I, I love that. I love working with him. And it's such a great team, such a great t- group of people on that show. Um, yeah, that first season was probably one of the better experiences I've had on a production. Yeah. A lot of heart, yeah. And TV, I think TV, my first experience ever was where I worked on the TV show Scrubs. And so I, that was kind of like my film school. And so it was a long time. I mean, it was almost five seasons. And so we, it really did become, if like, if the movie is the intense family, you know, for mm-hmm. a short amount of time, it's like television is almost like the, okay, you know, you, you're, it's a longer amount of time. Sometimes you can work with people. So it's, it's very interesting how those relationships go through even more different peaks and valleys because just of time you know it's like yeah <laughs> and you get to see people grow and you get to yeah. grow grow as people and also grow in their craft and it's yeah. like it's wonderful you just you get attached and you want to support them all the way <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean yeah and I've I've and and the second season like we got to do some fun things and build a mosque and a prayer room space and I mean it's unbelievable it's, yeah, I didn't really know. <laughs> I, I guess that's another crazy thing about this industry. You don't really, you're always exploring something that you just are unfamiliar with. Like there's something drawing you to it, but it's, mm-hmm. you, yeah, you get to walk into a situation where like, oh, wow, I, I need to do my homework. And also you end up learning so much about life and the world by just exploring it and I mean, in in a in a way that you're trying to give clarity to the mess of human experience by by yeah. packaging it into into a story, but um, 
you're so no you're so you're so right because it's like it's like actors always say that the joy of their job is is inhabiting is not just inhabiting other people but it's also learning behavior and 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 learning about people through behavior and i think it's the same with filmmaking design writing you're you you sort of get to sort of become a uh uh I don't know. It's like you go to school for you know to sort of really inhabit somebody's experience, and it, and it's it's really inspiring. You know, it's like you you're constantly learning. You're always getting to be surprised and be curious, which I think is one of the great things about cinema. Yeah, you, know, you can. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and so I guess um, uh, you know, uh, where do you um, you know, because I guess everyone is now sort of talking about. Um, streaming versus cinema versus, you know, versus like where we're sort of, you know, where we're all going with storytelling. And I don't know, from your, from, from your perspective, do you, you know, people are sort of saying like movies are dead and it's only going to be streaming and there's going to be only superhero movies. And, and where, what do you, what do you think about that? I mean, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, the ability for sort of original voices and, and, authentic stories to sort of survive in this day and age? I think there's still space for, I mean, it's much harder to get those type of stories funded and off the ground for sure. Mm -hmm. But I still think there's space and there's still, I don't know, I, I don't, I can't imagine entertainment only being one type of thing because mm. I, I really don't think audiences would be okay with that I, mm. I think we've been in some ways we've been spoiled with the oversaturation of so so much to choose from right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and uh, you know there's a lot to <laughs> a lot of content to go through and to find find the show or the movie that you that really speaks to you um mm -hmm. So I, but I, I want to be hopeful in that like cinema isn't dead and that mm. there's always going to be that kid at home, you know, like the kid with the iPhone at home was making their own movies, but not mm -hmm. really understanding what they're doing yet, but they're mm -hmm. just doing mm -hmm. something that, that, that feels right to them. And I think mm -hmm. that is always going to happen. Um, mm -hmm. I really think it's up to I really think it's up to producers and production companies and platforms to, to recognize that like there are audiences for that type of mm -hmm. stuff and mm -hmm. people still want, I'm, I'm one of them. Like I want to be able to see that type of content. Mm -hmm. And I think, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is, I, yeah, it's tough. You know, I, I do get scripts sent to me where I'm like oh this is just a version of that other thing that happened a year ago that you know mm -hmm, and I'm like mm -hmm. which is which is could be fun and it could be great yeah. to have more something similar and there's an established market for it but I think the more exciting thing is like it's like when you read a great book or like what we were talking about like when you're surprised I feel mm -hmm. like audiences mm -hmm. like exploring something different because it's it feels like learning it feels like being surprised it's another perspective to put on your own life and to be like wow like especially during this pandemic it's kind of like yeah things things are dire and things are feel devastating but they don't necessarily have to be in that way and i i don't know like we gravitate towards entertainment to escape 
but I think there's also a, a section in there to, you know, the the Greek tragedy side of things of of watching something that helps helps you connect to how you're actually feeling in the moment mm -hmm. and to help you express that, you know, and I think there's still a need for that. I want to be hopeful. <laughs> you yes, know? yeah, but me there's too. There's still a need for that. And, and, you know, in the broader cultural sense, I think, I think society needs that in a lot of ways to like remember to be decent and kind to each other and to to like hang on to the hope and despair at the same time and and understand like this is just life and you can survive it and you can move on from it um i'm i'm getting a little <laughs> a little bit like I, yeah i mean i think i my hope is like because of this collective global tragedy that we're going through i think more meaningful content will come out of it. Um, that's my hope. I think you're right. I think that I think that's beautiful. Well said. I mean, it's it's like I saw recently. Actually, there was an interview with Ari Aster and Scorsese on the Criterion Channel for Scorsese's World Cinema Project or his Film Foundation, rather, which he's which for like 30 years has been restoring international films and old films. And and he talks about you know we need stories to understand humanity and and we learn from them and it's a mirror you know it's it, it yeah. it's it, it's vital you know stories are it's the old thing of the you know the drawings on the walls and 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 cultural stories that are told in the oral tradition and cinema is i think a part of that so i'm with you i'm i'm so hopeful uh uh and what advice would you have to sort of you know young filmmakers and and or designers who you know are just starting out you know what what advice might you give them uh if you could maybe, you know, advise your, your, your <laughs> um, I think the practical advice is just to keep doing what you're doing and, and, and to, even though you might be scared of, of doing something that's stupid or irrelevant or whatever, I, I just do it. I mean, I think you learn by making all those mistakes. You learn by the process of making you learn by working with other people and you learn a lot about yourself and then you learn about how you, you want to say something and and I guess that's yeah just throw yourself into the mix even if you're home alone and you're moving around figurines you know <laughs> I think you yeah. know it's like it's like going back to that moment of being a child and like playtime and being mm -hmm. completely free and like, yes, a lot of it is gonna be iterations of things that you've seen, but it's still like a recombination and iteration of like what you liked about it or what you interpreted of everything that you've absorbed. And then I think the more you do it, the more you realize like, oh, I have, I am, I am this own receptacle of like how I'm going to express all the things that I've observed and lived and learned. So, I mean, I think that's what, and that's what makes it unique. And that's what, how you can find your voice, I think. And, and I think for designers, I really feel like you're going to get the most satisfaction or the most meaningful return when you work on projects that you connect with, you know? I mean, there's always going to be that project where the design is cool and you just want to exercise that, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you want to practice that or you want to make a certain connection or 
you have to pay the bills. Like there's, Mm -hmm. that's always there. And that's like legit reason. But I think I do think like where your heart gets the most out of something is when you feel like you can give, give to a project in a way that you've, you're like investing in it in some ways, like your contribution, your contribution is something that you find meaningful. So yeah. 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 And yeah, practice as much as you can. (laughs) (laughs) That's so well said. Yeah. Well said. Um, Well, Grace, that, I think that's probably a great place to, to stop. That's really, it's been so nice talking to you. Thanks so much. I'm sorry. It took a while to like really connect the time. No, no, not at all. It was, it was, it's it, honestly everything for a reason, you know. I pre- I appreciate your interest in in different um, different aspects of filmmaking. I think it's it's great. Not everyone gets to. I mean, yeah, not everyone knows about all these different collaborators and and um, contributors. So it's um, it's nice that you're doing this. Right, thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.